I'm convinced that if you want to bring somebody to Christ, then you need to show them in your life what Christianity means. And, and it's not so much preaching as it is the way you live your life. Hello, and thanks for joining in. I'm Jana Harmon, and you're listening to the Side B Podcast, where we see how someone flips the record of their life. Each podcast, we listen to someone who has once been an atheist, but who unexpectedly became a Christian. It's often thought that religious people are religious just because they grew up that way. They don't know any different, so they just believe. And it is thought that once they discover the truth about religion, they will no longer believe. But what happens when someone grows up in an atheist household? Resolutely identify as an atheist until middle age and then comes to believe that religion, particularly Christianity, is true. When someone has been an atheist for most of their lives, later into middle age, the odds of such a dramatic life shift from non-belief to belief is often surprising both to the person who's making such a tremendous paradigm shift, as well as those around them. Those who are resolute in their own worldview often don't seem to change, but sometimes they do, and we are generally curious as to how that happens. Today we'll be listening to Justo Amato's long journey from atheism to Christianity, following in the footsteps of his own atheistic father, It wasn't until his late 50s that Justo reconsidered his own beliefs. I hope that you join in to hear his story, not only to understand why he was an atheist for so long, but what changed to allow him to reconsider what he once thought impossible to believe. This should be interesting. Welcome to the Side B Podcast, Justo. It's so great to have you. Thank you, Jana. It's great to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. As, as we're getting started, Justo, why don't you give us a, an idea of a little bit about who you are? Okay. Um, for the first thing, I was a little four-month-old immigrant from Spain. Uh-huh. Um, so as a little boy, I don't think I spoke any English until I went to kindergarten. Neither of my parents were spoke English. My father spoke a little bit. My mother spoke none. Um, and so my brother and I grew up uh, speaking Spanish and English back and forth, always speaking English to one another, but Spanish to my parents. Mm. And, uh, you, your family, that's fascinating. You, your family moved over from Spain. So you were immigrants to the, to the U.S. What part of the U.S. did you grow up in? Well, we settled in Boundbrook, New Jersey, and that's where I lived up until I was 44. Okay, so you grew up in the Northeast. I did. Yeah, so what was that like growing up in the Northeast in terms of both your family and your community? Was there a sense of religiosity? Was there a community of faith? Catholicism, I believe, is probably fairly strong in the, in the Northeast. What was your world like growing up? Was there God in it? Okay, no. My father was an atheist. He, as a young man in Spain, he saw 
the priest living very well while the community was struggling. And so he he just became totally anti, anti-church. Um, so I never heard even the mention of God or Jesus, never saw a Bible. Um, most of my friends in my neighborhood were Catholic. Uh, one of my good friends was an altar boy. Um, why he was an altar boy, I'll never figure out because he was the wildest kid. But anyway, um, and nobody that I knew really went to church on a regular basis. They went like Christmas, New Year's uh, for communion. Um, but it, there, there were really no strong uh, religious people in the neighborhood at all. And so I had no religious training, background, nothing. Um, and it was that way until I was 28 years old. And then I met, I went to the beach and I met Annabelle. During that period of time, those 28 years, uh, that's a long time to to really consider who you are and your beliefs and what you believe and what you don't believe. I guess you considered yourself an atheist during that time. And if so, um, what did you think of Christians and Christianity and belief in God? What was that to you? Was that just something people did, you know, on like Christmas, Easter, but there wasn't much more to it than that. I mean, how did you consider or or what did you think of religion and religious beliefs during that time? To be honest with you, I didn't give it much thought because my friends never, they never brought up religion at all. I mean, I had friends like six or seven friends. Nobody ever talked about religion. Um, So I never even gave it much thought, Jana. Um, And now I meet this young lady. She was 20. I was 28. And it turns out she teaches Sunday school. And she was at the beach with her friend, who is also a Sunday school teacher. So for the first time, I'm hearing, you know, about God and Jesus. Um, I went to church with Annabelle a few times um, before we got married. And, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with going to church, but I didn't, I didn't really give myself to anything. I just went and was an observer. So you weren't antagonistic towards religious no, faith. I was never antagonistic. Um, because when we decided that we would, when I asked Annabelle to marry me and she told me, you know, I'm going to bring up our children. If we're lucky enough to have any, I'm going to bring them up as Christians. I had no problem with that. So on the other hand, I, I had no problem with it, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready to accept Jesus either. Right. So you, you as a good husband and father went to the, through the motions of, church going in, in order to do something with your family, I guess. Is, right. is that correct? Now, initially, I wouldn't go. Annabelle would take the children. And then Christopher, when he was five years old, said to me, Dad, how come you don't go to church with us? And I didn't have a good answer. So I said, well, okay, fine. I'll start going with you. And I started to go with her. And that's when I met 
the associate uh, minister at this church that we oh. were going to. And Would he it? was such a, such a fine man. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, as someone who had never gone to church all of your life, had really very little exposure to it, what were your first thoughts when you went to church, not knowing exactly what that was? Well, you know, the first thing that impacted me was like this associate minister. Um, he was such a fine man. And I thought to myself, wow, this guy, this is what a Christian is, is like, being like this man. I was impressed. I, I thought the world of him. So but I still wasn't ready. I still wasn't ready to, 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 to you know, accept Jesus. What was it about his, Christian, his lived Christian life that was impressive to you? Well, he was so kind, and so gentle, and he would give Annabelle such fine advice about, like she would say, you know. If you were confronted with a bull, would you pick out, would you, would you wave a red flag in front of a bull? So when you're dealing with your son and don't antagonize him, you know, just be, be calm. And anyway, he, he was very, very helpful to Annabelle. So he was a wise, it sounds like he, he gave wise counsel. He did. A, yeah. So as you were sitting there in those church services and they were singing songs about God and Jesus, what were you, are the our teachings from the Bible? What did you think about all that um, in terms of, did you think there was any truth to it at all? Or did you think that like the Bible was just stories and they were singing to a non-existent God? I mean, as an atheist, how would you, uh, how would you consider those things? You know, honestly, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I just thought, you know, this is what Annabelle wants to do. The kids are benefiting from this. So I'm on board. Mm. But I didn't see it applying to me. You didn't see it applying. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't see it applying to you because no. you were, as an atheist, there's a sense of autonomy and kind of, you know, independence and that you don't need that kind of thing in your life. Is that, is that how you were considering yes. it? Yes. So for like Christians in your mind, were Christians someone who were a bit more needy, I guess you could say, or, or weak or needed a crutch or something like that, but it just wasn't for you? That's, that's about right. That's about right. But uh, um, but you went through the motions of going to church. How long did I you did. participate with this? You, I guess you started going well, for about thirteen years. Okay, we lived in New Jersey for the first thir first thirteen years. We were married, and then I, I lost my job, and I was looking for a job, and it turned out that the job was in Florida. So in nineteen seventy eight. Um, I started the job in April of 78. Mm. And Annabelle and the kids stayed in New Jersey until August. We were having a house built and the kids were finishing school. So you moved down to Florida and you moved the yeah. family down to Florida. And, yeah. uh, and I'm curious too, all this time that you are participating or going through the motions of church for the sake of your family. Uh, was Annabelle 
I'm just thinking for the sake of those who who are married to people who don't believe in the same way. Um, did she ever talk with you about uh, why don't you believe or put pressure on you, or was she just fairly quiet and just appreciative of you coming? Did you did yes. you, how did how did that work out? She never put any pressure on me at all. She just, I guess, um, she felt that in time, in fact, the associate uh, minister had told her, don't push him. He'll come around to it when he's ready. You're not, you're not going to help anything by putting pressure on him. And so she took his advice. And I'm sure you appreciated that. I did. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so now, yes. Now we're in Florida, and um, we started. We had a couple across the street that were attending a church, a non-denomination church, that they were very pleased with, and they invited us to to go with them, and we did. And so now we started going to this church, and again, I was going every Sunday. Um, I was going to different events, but, but I was just going through the motions. Right. I wasn't really prepared to accept Jesus. I didn't see a need for it. Um, and then they had home fellowship groups. And this very good friend of ours, the wife, kept putting a little pressure on me. Why don't you come to these meetings? Come. You're going to love it. And so I did. I started going to those. Now, I started meeting men that I had a lot of respect for. And, you know, I started thinking, gee, you know, these guys, they believe. What's wrong with me? Why, why can't I get over this resistance that I have that goes all the way back to when I was a child and never heard of Jesus, never heard of God, never read a Bible, never saw a Bible. And... So now I began studying in the Bible a little bit, and um, that went on for a few years. And I'm then one day, we would go to church regularly. It was a Good Friday, and Elizabeth was happened to be here. Uh, she was in grad school, but she was here. And so Annabelle, Elizabeth, and I uh, went to church on a Good Friday, and we met another couple that we were friends with and they had communion and I had never taken communion because I felt, you know, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. I shouldn't, I should not take communion, but all of a sudden I, I just felt an urge. I should take communion. And I did. And Annabelle almost painted. <laughs> Elizabeth put her hand on our friend who was sitting next to her and she said I can't believe what I just saw my dad do I can't believe it I'd like to pause for a moment and tell you about the C.S. Lewis Institute we are living in a day and time when Christianity is being increasingly marginalized and even cancelled when distractions are prevalent and intentionality towards spiritual growth is curbed. More than ever, we are in need of deeper intentional discipleship as we face challenges in today's world. The C.S. Lewis Institute is here to serve you. 
your study groups, and your church in creating mature disciples who know and live out their biblically grounded faith in Jesus Christ. They provide thoughtful, intelligent resources for individuals, groups, and Bible studies. They provide a year-long fellows program for spiritual growth among like-minded Christians pursuing faith in a serious, structured way. And they host events with respected Christian authors and thinkers to help us understand scripture and the Christian worldview. They also help us engage culture in effective ways. We hope you'll not only take a look at these offerings, but also prayerfully consider donating to this ministry. You can find out more about the C.S. Lewis Institute and give by going to our website at www.cslewisinstitute.org. Now back to our story. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure it was a bit surprising. That was the moment that I accepted Jesus. And I still can't explain, you know, why then, why that particular night, but that's when it happened. And then I I began to really become a Christian, um, to participate in home Bible studies and to... to, um, like work in the children's ministry and and to do things. Um, so that that was the evening that I accepted Jesus. And I think it was 1992, I think it was. Let's see. Yeah, I think it was about 1992. So it took me a long time. Right, right. But there, <laughs> yeah, there, you know, there was probably something in, I'm sure years of consideration, you know, sitting through a lot of church services and sermons and then, and then meeting, it sounds like you met a lot of Christian men who embodied uh, a a life that you respected, which I think it sounded surprising, but. One of the biggest impacts on me was my son, my son, Chris. Now, as a young man, he was a little bit wild and. He got into drinking and he got in, and I didn't even know to the extent that he was drinking at the age of 16 or 17. And his friends, um, they they were not a good influence. Um, my son would ask, he would say to me, you don't like my friends, do you dad? And I, I would, my response was, it's not that I don't like your friends. I don't like the influence that they have on you and the things that you do when you're together. You'll do things that you would never do on your own. And now, he he went to graduate school at Emory and he met some really fine men. And without mentioning any names, he had a wonderful influence about him. He had an accountability partner. And all of a sudden, I saw this transition in my son going from this kind of wild guy who drinks too much for his age, who might be in danger of becoming an alcoholic to a really fine, you know, a Christian. And that, that impact, that had a big influence on me as well. That transition that I saw in Chris, that had a huge influence on me. In addition to the home, home uh, study groups that I was involved in, but seeing that change in Chris had a huge impact on me. What was it that 
uh, was so impactful? Was it the fact that he, he you just watched his life being transformed yes. in, in the, into the yeah. Christian life and then he was attractive to you? or Well, all of a sudden I, I saw, you know, here's a guy, he was drinking way more than I thought he should drink. Um, he was doing things that I didn't think he should be doing. And, and now he's surrounded by wonderful young men. Um, his focus is different. It's, I just saw a transition mm -hmm. from a wild guy to a, a, you know, a strong Christian, mm -hmm. a strong believer. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see a, a life transformed like that especially when it's your own child who, whom you love and you know who they are. You know, they're not hiding anything from you. They're just, you just know them as a parent. And you to see that kind of life transformation must have been amazing. And, and uh, right. so, yeah, I actually know your son and he's a wonderful man. So um, uh, you, you're an incredible, you and Annabelle have done an amazing job with both of your Children, Elizabeth and Chris, both are just, just, I can't say enough about them. They're, they're amazing, amazing people. When it comes to Good Friday and the message of Good Friday, I'm sure that that was something quite compelling. Um, the gospel of Jesus, uh, knowing, you know, that there's, there's acceptance and forgiveness no matter what you've done. I'm sure that that was something that you felt or um, was right. there anything particular you know good friday for those who are listening who may not know what that is good friday is actually the day designated when christ was crucified on the cross where christians come together and remember that and what he did on their behalf that is taking on the sin of the world um, mm -hmm. and so uh so that we don't have to earn our acceptance with God, rather right. God paid for our sin. And it's, it's a really amazing thing when you realize or take that in personally. Um, and there must have been something about the message of that evening and understanding what communion is. Communion is really remembering what Christ did for you, basically. Um, it's a sacrament. Right. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm sure there must have been something there for you that evening, kind of a culmination of many, many years of of taking very small steps. But nevertheless, you were taking steps forward. It sounds like even though you were resistant uh, for many years in your life, you continued to find yourself taking steps forward. Um, and then the next thing you know, you find yourself actually believing um, this person of Jesus is that it, it, it I guess it happened um, over like you say a, a long period of time right no it was a, a gradual very gra very gradual yes. process for me um, and all this time my, my father my mother died in 79 and my father started coming to visit us um, every January February March roughly those two, three months, he was still an atheist. And as far as I know, he was an atheist the, di the day he died. Um, but my father was a, a really kind man. 
he he was very good to both both my brother and I. Um, he was a good husband, but he was never never a believer. Mm. And yet, his he had a a niece who turned who was a nun. She became a nun at fifteen, and he loved this woman. He would go to Rome after my mother died. He would go to Rome and spend two three months with her. He went to Spain, spent time with her there. Um, I got to know her really well. She loved Annabelle, even though Annabelle didn't speak a word of Spanish and she didn't speak hardly any English at all. They really loved one another and they had a connection and the connection was Jesus. Mm. Yeah. My, my, the nun, but she, she believed in Jesus. And uh, so they had a, that was their, their uh, focal point that you brought know, that both together. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about the monthly resource at the C.S. Lewis Institute. The Institute has a wealth of resources available to you, which encourage discipleship in the legacy of C.S. Lewis through deepening, strengthening, and living out your faith through your mind, heart, and hands. This month, the C.S. Lewis Institute is highlighting resources that help and encourage you to share your faith with those who don't know Christ. On their website, you'll find articles, videos, podcasts, study courses, and recommended readings. To find all of these helpful materials, please go to cslewisinstitute.org forward slash sharing your faith. Now, back to our story. Wow, that, that, is, that is interesting considering your father had been really put off or rejected the church because of perhaps what he had seen as a child or, you know, the yes. negative things right. that he saw as a, um, with the priest and, and what, what they were doing as compared to the people and all of that. It seems that, um, though, that his niece as a nun gave him a different picture of perhaps who Jesus is through her life. And yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Sometimes people can get the wrong impression from an institution right. or a person who represents Christ or Christianity, but but um but not really understanding the real person of Christ himself. And right. I hope that your niece gave him that. Um and right. yeah. Yeah. So, wow. What is it? What a story. And so how old were you then when you accepted Christ in your life? Let's see. Um, came to Florida at 44. I was probably <laughs> around 50, early fifties. Hmm. Yeah. That that's quite a long time to go in your life. It uh, is. Where you actually kind of change in midstream um, to to go from non-belief to belief. But that's a yeah. wonderful story. It's a wonderful story. And so it sounds like your life, you've been convinced of it since, right? So you've held on to it. It's not, it, you took a long time to get there, but it's something that you obviously have become convinced of. And I have. In. Yeah. yeah. Um, I presume uh, through continued Bible study and whatnot, you've really, you've really embraced it as your own, as as true and real, and that Jesus is a person worth worth knowing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So as as we're just thinking further about this, if if 
knowing what you know, since you went um, for such a long time as a non-believer, I wonder, there were probably things that, that you appreciated or that you didn't appreciate um, in terms of Christians approaching you or like you say, Annabelle was very patient and, and didn't push Christianity upon you or anything, but, and you had those wonderful examples of men that you respected who were Christians. What would you advise Christians as to how they could best uh, engage with those who don't believe in Jesus? I would imagine having patience is one of those things. Yeah. I think the most important thing is not what you say, but how you live your life. Mm. Because people are watching you. And in some cases, they'll know you're a Christian, not because you said you're a Christian, but because of the way you, you treat them, um, the, that you show kindness. And I'll give you an example. We had the security gate with guards. And this one day I drove in, and I would always speak to the guard. Oh, I, I'd always speak to him. I asked him how he was doing, how his family was, whatever. And he said to me, you know, I think you're a Christian. And I said, really, why? And he said, because you take the time to talk to me. You don't just drive through the gate and ignore me. Mm. And he said, I've noticed the same thing about your wife. In fact, there was a, a lady guard that worked there. And Annabelle befriended her. Uh, she would watch her daughters for her. Um, and they became really good friends. And she said the same thing. You know, it's it's how you treat me. Mm-hmm. It's how you speak to me. Um, so I, I'm convinced that if you want to bring somebody to Christ, then you need to show them in your life what Christianity means. And, and it's not so much preaching as it is the way you live your life. Mm. And how you treat them, how you make them feel. Yes. Yes, value. In other words, you know, you, you don't just drive through the gate and ignore him because he's a guard. He's a human being. And he's got a family and he's got interests. And so if you if you stop and talk to him and, and just be a friend. It's right. going to impact him. It's it's amazing what what an impact or difference just small things can do are just small gestures that are really huge sometimes right. to other people, um, valuing others. And um, yeah, that's pretty wonderful. Uh, for those who might be quite skeptical of, of the Christian faith, of Christianity, of belief in God, have rejected it uh, for whatever reason, um, but might be curious, just as you were, I guess, curious on some level. Um, what would you, what would you say to someone like that? I, I think I, I would say, just observe, observe Christians, and I think for the most part, you're going to find that they're kind, they're accepting they're loving, um, you might want to consider that this is something worth doing. Um, I mean, not only your soul, but I, I think it's just a wonderful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. 
aside, aside from the fact that you're saving your soul. Well, those are two very big things. Having a, a, a life that, as Jesus says, a life that is truly life, you know, a life that's abundant in so many ways, um, knowing that you're fully known and yet fully loved, you know, amazing things that you can find within Christianity. I, I, I can imagine some skeptics out there saying, well, that's not the Christians I know, you know, right. um, and that yeah. sometimes can be a really difficult issue, just like your father encountered a priest who didn't fit what he thought Jesus was about, you know, and so I think sometimes, um, I think I think our witness can be good in terms of when we when we do live the Christian life when we let and allow Christ to live in and through us. But unfortunately, sometimes um, we don't always live as we should, and um, and sometimes looking past the Christian life towards Jesus is a, is the best is the best way to really um, consider. Um, to consider Christianity because he he was perfect, the only one, right? Um, so, um, but 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 yes, but but Christians can can make a difference, uh, especially if they are truly embodied um, Christians and and are living faithfully in the way that they should, and loving, as you say, in the way that they should. Um, it is a very attractive uh, thing to do. Um, so thank you so much, you. Justo, for telling your story. It sounds like it was a long walk, you know, one step at a time over a period of years. But what I think what I appreciate most about you is that that you were willing to, in a way, sacrifice and surrender your own purposes for the sake of your family, just to go, and that you respected and honored your family, even though you didn't believe. And it's... It's amazing to me to see how even placing yourself with a willingness to to place yourself in, in a situation that may have been uncomfortable, that you didn't agree with, but over time you became willing to actually see Christianity and to see Jesus yeah. or who he is and Christianity for what it was and it, that it was something worth believing. So, um, you know, in, in my research I've, I've seen a uh, this sense of the will, you know, and the whether or not someone is strongly resistant no matter what, or whether or not they're actually willing to give it a chance. And I think in your story, you allowed um, the truth of Christ and the person of Christ to come through on his own terms over time into your heart and mind. And I'm so thankful because obviously you have left a legacy. Uh, with your children and uh, no doubt grandchildren at this point. So thank you again, Justo, for telling your story. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Jenna, for the opportunity. You're so welcome. Thanks for tuning into the Side B podcast to hear Justo's story. For questions and feedback about this episode, you can reach me by email at thissidebpodcast at cslewisinstitute.org. If you enjoyed it, subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and social network. I would really appreciate it. In the meantime, I'll be looking forward to seeing you next podcast where we'll be seeing how someone else flips the record of their life.